and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty reporting from very windy Longmont, Colorado. And I have my partner up in Chicago, Larry Mishkin from Hoban Law. How you doing there, Larry? Jim, we're doing great today. Thank you very much. It's a lovely day in Chicago, bright and sunny, a little bit on the chilly side, but enough sun that we don't mind the chill. All right. Well, yeah, it's full-blown spring now that we're into May and uh, summer's just around the corner. I don't think there's going to be too many shows for us to attend this summer, <clears throat> but hopefully the pandemic will, will pass here in a couple of weeks and we might see some activity uh, in, on the music scene. Yeah, yesterday was my, uh, my birthday, uh, 64 years old now. Never thought I'd be 64. It's kind of a funny feeling, but physically I still feel like I'm 40, so that's good. And I've uh, got some good music. That's why the Beatles wrote a song about it. Say what, Larry? Sorry, sorry, I, sorry, I, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say that's why the Beatles wrote a song about when I'm 64, right? Yes, my family sang that to me yesterday. Perfect. Anyway, yes, I did caught up with you, uh, and I got the uh, June 1976 box set. Excellent. I haven't listened to very much of it yet. Uh, it's just I just got it yesterday, but it's just beautifully packaged. It's, it is. Um, and, uh, just a beautiful box set. Uh, five shows, I believe, uh, 15 CDs, and uh, it's some of the first uh, live performances of Help Slipknot Franklin's from Blues for All. Correct, right. This is the this is um, capturing their first shows back after their uh, year-long sabbatical when they made the, the Grateful Dead movie and all that other stuff, although it really wasn't a sabbatical for Jerry because I think that was his busiest year ever for the Jerry Garcia band. However, um, this is a tremendous box set, and you're absolutely right, both about the, uh, the, the quality of the songs that they've put on there and the packaging. And I have to tell you, you can go and, and you can go, uh, there's an app called ReListen, I think. And you can download it from the App Store. And what we discovered is ReListen has like live versions, live concerts from almost any band out there, including pretty much every Grateful Dead concert that there ever was. So, you know, people say to me, why do you still spend the money to buy these CDs when who listens to CDs anymore? You've got all these ways to access Grateful Dead concerts. But like you just said, Jim, I'm a sucker for the packaging. I love the booklet. I love to read the little stories in there. I love the pictures. I love all of that stuff. So I'm the guy that keeps spending money on Grateful Dead CDs, even though you can download them for free. Yes, and sometimes the the mastering of the recordings on the CD is very um, superb and sometimes better than what you might get in a download. Correct. I agree with that for sure. I agree with that. So, yeah, I'm all in on it. you got a wonderful birthday present, and if you're just starting to listen to it, you have a number of wonderful nights ahead of you uh, soaking it all in, and then as soon as I listened to the whole thing, I went back and listened to it all again just because it was that good. Yes, I'm set up to uh, listen to many hours of it out in my barn. 
I would be out in my barn for this show right now, but uh, it's so windy we were getting background noise, so I'm back in the house. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be heading out there after this to uh, start to break into it. I also got uh, Garcia Live Volume 10 uh, from Hawaii in 1990. And, boy, when you listen to that, it's, re it's really hard to believe that Jerry only had five years left at that time because he was just so healthy and playing so well, and he's – the pictures on the liner notes are Jerry in his shorts in Hawaii. And I'll tell you who's dominant on that CD is Melvin Seals. I mean, he, it's just, I listened to it last night at pretty high volume and God, Melvin Seals organ just absolutely screams. He was great. I love Melvin Seals and what he did. You're right. And that's a, that's a tremendous album. And I just recently received the, the newest release, um, the Garcia live series number uh, 13, which is a show from September of 1989 at the Poplar Creek Music Theater, which no longer exists, but was in the western suburbs of Chicago. And it was just a tremendous show that a whole a whole group of us were at, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. And what's great about this show is that Clarence Clemens played with them. And so you got Clarence on the saxophone throughout the whole show, wailing away. Uh, Jerry, one of the best tangled up in blues I've ever heard. Um so yeah, it's it's just wonderful all of this great Garcia stuff that's out there to listen to, and I think uh, you were mentioning uh, we were discussing that you and I both just recently received Dave's picks number thirty four, which is also a nineteen seventy four show from uh, from uh, the High Life Fronton in Miami, Florida. Yes, yes, I got that the other day and have not had a chance to listen to it, but the uh, song list looked really interesting, including the full pre prelude to uh, Weather Report Suite. Well, you're absolutely right, Jim, and uh, it does have the full weather report suite on there. I've listened to it, and I can tell you that it's amazing. But when I listen to it, and I, I, I say this you know, half-jokingly and half-seriously, it always makes me a little bit sad because I have never heard either the Grateful Dead or Bob Weir in any other combination since that time perform the full weather report suite. You know, For years, the Dead only played Let It Grow, the back end of it, without the introduction, and the introduction is beautiful. It's a lovely guitar melody. Garcia sings on it. Weir sings on it. It's, it's just great. It's, it's such a powerful lead-in to let it grow. And, and I always joke with my friends when we go to see Dead & Company, why the heck does Bob feel the need to cover all the Jerry tunes when he's got these wonderful songs of his own and he's not playing them? Yes. Um, now, I could be mistaken. My memory gets foggy sometimes, but I believe I did see the full weather report suite performed at Red Rocks in the mid 80s and have to look that up to see but uh, I know that we definitely got the weather report suite to finish a set one but um, I think it was the full-blown intro as well so um, I think I have been fortunate enough to have seen that that's a great thing I, and that's that's a that's a major gap on my list of dead songs that uh that I never got to hear. There's not too many of them, but that's 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 one of the big ones. That and, uh, and Casey Jones. I never heard uh, the Dead perform Casey Jones. I've heard it since in, in uh, Dead and Company and other groups, but I never got to hear them do it. So, yeah, it's uh, Weather Report Suite is a great tune. They capture it great. I think you and I have already talked about that. One of the highlights of this whole box set for me is the first night in Boston in the first set when they cover Garcia's Mission in the Rain. And they only did that maybe three or four times as the Grateful Dead. And that's such a beautiful song. And they really, with Phil on bass and everything, just such a wonderful version of it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to that. So um, 
Well, we could talk a little business. Um, what's going on with, with the uh, licenses? Okay, so here's what's going on with licenses in Illinois, and quite frankly, it's uh, it's unfortunate. We have to laugh in Illinois because we're kind of used to this kind of stuff, but my clients aren't laughing. Uh, we did finally have a, a uh, duly enforced deadline this past uh, week or week or two ago on April 30th, uh, at which time all applications for craft grow and for processing and for transportation were due. That deadline had been kicked two times already, uh, but this this one held, and so those were all filed on April 30th. And then the big news is is that on April 1st, uh, excuse me, May 1st, this past Friday, the state was supposed to announce the winners of the 75 adult use dispensary licenses. But two days before, uh, Governor Pritzker came out with an announcement that those uh, licenses, the, the announcement on the licenses would not be made on May 1st, uh, that due to the coronavirus, uh, they had not completed the, all of the review yet, and there is no new date that has been offered. So it's very frustrating that we've already gone past the date everyone was keeping an eye on. And what's even worse is now we don't have any real expectation at all uh, as to when we might hear back uh, and find out who, in fact, did get the licenses and who didn't. So as you can imagine, uh, that can be a little frustrating for some of these groups that have spent so much time and money putting their applications together and are you know, really uh, anxious to get moving forward if, in fact, they've gotten the license. So uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But it also calls into question whether or not the state will be able to meet the July 1st deadline for announcing the winners of the licenses for the cultivation and processing and transportation uh, for the applications we just turned in. So it's a little bit of a, uh, a, a wild west show here right now until we get it all figured out. So, so what's going on then is all the applications are now in the hands of the state government of Illinois. Correct. So everything's been turned in and now we're just waiting on the, um, the bureaucratic machine to spit out the licenses. That's it. And when you say bureaucratic machine in Illinois, you have to capitalize the B and the M because that, that that's a well-defined thing here. And, and it, it's unfortunate. Um, and, you know, certainly during this time of uh, crisis, far be it for me to suggest that anyone uh, should be engaging in anything that might uh, endanger their health. But uh, hopefully the state will recognize and understand how important this is to the people who are waiting to hear and uh, figure out a way to get those things scored and uh, announcements made. And I know that, and, and caught up in all this are the craft licenses, the 5,000 square foot cultivations? Correct. Those, the, that was one of the things, uh, uh, the craft grow licenses were just filed uh, last week on April 30th. And, and those are scheduled to be announced on July 1st. Okay. Well, I hope that happens. And virtually all those licenses uh, whether it's craft, adult use, um, the various types of licenses, do they all contain a social equity component? Every type of license that you can apply for in Illinois allows you the opportunity to qualify as a social equity applicant. And if you do, you get a significant number of bonus points for having been able to establish that status. So, yes, it, it, it's throughout the entire, uh, the entire program, the entire adult use program. Yes, because I've helped with some licenses, and um, you know the social equity component was part of part of those applications. I think maybe you and I had a couple of mutual clients on some of those. So, yep. well, we'll see what happens um, here in Colorado. Um, 
They've opened up uh, curbside delivery. It's going very well. Um, and now they've, um, they're allowing people back in the dispensaries. The dispensaries have plexiglass hung up at the cash registers now, but um, it's gone pretty well. I, I haven't seen the April numbers yet. Um, I do think they will be below um, 2019 in many states, including Colorado, uh, just because of uh, the 420, the marijuana national holiday didn't happen. Um, I had a few clients in Denver who had really stocked up for 420 um, and found themselves with excess inventory. But uh, the good news is our uh, both our medical and adult use dispensaries have stayed open, uh, as have the uh, cultivation facilities. Uh, they, somebody said, uh, marijuana has gone from Ill illicit to essential. <laughs> yes. So one of the many ironies of the pandemic. Well, I, I agree with that. Um, and here in Illinois, we had another record breaking month on the adult use side, uh, just under $40 million in sales, uh, which is amazing considering that, uh, pretty much well for the entire month of April, Illinois was under a shelter in place order. Uh, we still have a limited number of dispensaries. Uh, and we still have a very limited supply chain. So uh, it's just astounding to me to see how these numbers have, have held and maintained for the first four months of the program. And, you know, it leads us all to start speculating uh, just how successful this program can be when we finally have an adequate supply and uh, we no longer have the, uh, the, uh, the, the social uh, distancing to have to contend with for purposes of being able to go and buy the product. So, uh, I, the future here in Illinois is looking wonderful right now. We're all very excited about it. And um, yes, we, we love Governor Pritzker. We also have the curbside service, which is just tremendous. Um, and, and the accommodations that have been made to support this industry is really outstanding. And you're right, Jim, to think even just a few years ago that in the face of such a crisis that uh, something like marijuana would be given the treatment that it is being given. is, is I think it speaks to a... Uh, new age uh, of cannabis in this country and uh, is a positive and a wonderful thing to see. Now, how do they handle the shortage of inventory? Do they limit how much you can purchase? Yes. Which would be, imagine, quite a bit below your legal limit. Definitely. Um, uh, I, I believe that in most of the adult use dispensaries, they still have uh, limits of uh, a quarter ounce of flour um, and maybe only one or two grams of extract per customer. Uh, Vapes, I'm not sure uh, exactly what their situation is with cartridges, um, but they do have these. And, and again, they have limited hours. So, you know, people know that if you want to go and, and get in and buy something, you know, you have to get there right when they open in the morning because within a few hours, whatever they were able to get for that day uh, is usually sold and, uh, and gone. Yeah, that's similar to Massachusetts. So on pricing in, um, you know, all over Denver, you can get a perfectly fine one gram, one and a quarter gram joint for between six and ten dollars what does that same joint sell for in illinois about the same you know probably a little bit closer to ten dollars well that's surprising um with your shortage of inventory that they're keeping prices in line well you know i, I think that that's part of the idea that you know otherwise you know look we've already slapped such a high excise tax on top of it that it, it really gives that now i mean i suppose you can say well hey what other choice do they have but you and I know that there is another choice called the black market. And, you know, a lot of these places have really, you know, kind of bent over backwards, it seems, to keep their prices in line uh, to maintain a, a, a flow of customers coming through. 
Now I've been doing some studying uh, for some clients and some um, podcasts and other things I've been working on. And, you know, Colorado is uh, just under 2 billion a year in sales. That's medical and adult use combined. And when you add up all the taxes, income tax, sales tax, excise tax, extra sin tax at the cash register, if you will, for adult use cannabis, it comes in just below a billion. So we're right at about 50 cents on the dollar going into the um, state and local tax coffers um, from our cannabis industry. And well, in, the great, in the grand scheme of things, you know, with a you know, multi-billion dollar budget, tens of billions of dollars, the state of Colorado's budget, um, same with the municipalities, that's not a lot of money <clears throat> um, compared to their whole budget. But I think we've mentioned this maybe on other shows in the past. The politicians like it because it's, number one, it's new money, and it's unencumbered money. So they can put roofs on schools. They can you know, do things with that money that they wouldn't have had been able to do before because, as you know, and especially with the pandemic, you know, every dollar that comes into the state and cities and counties is um, already spent you know, many times over, pensions, payroll. So the fact that it's new and unencumbered money makes this very exciting for the politicians to focus on their aiming at, at their pet projects. Yes, I agree with that. We definitely see that here as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's just uh, at the end of the day, it's a wonderful thing because uh, I get calls from friends in other states. How is it going with adult use in Illinois? It's, boy, what do we have to do to get it in our state and, and things like that? And, you know, it, it, it's a conversation whose time uh, is long past due. Um, and it's nice that the politicians, you know, in the midst of everything else, take time to acknowledge that, um, you know, and like to think that who knows, maybe that means we're not that far away from seeing uh, more of a change on the national scene, although I'm not holding my breath. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, you could be pessimistic and say, you know, with the pandemic and we have a presidential, it's a presidential election year. So nothing's going to happen. On the other hand, um, and I, I specifically think about Cory Gardner here in Colorado, very tough um, election. Uh, many, he's being, his seat is being targeted nationally by the Democrats. Um, so he might come out and try to spring free some le legislation in Congress for the Safe Banking Act or the States Rights Act, a bill that would eliminate IRS code section 280E. So even though it's an election year and Congress is definitely uh, in somewhat disarray with the pandemic, we might actually surprise, be surprised and see some legislation come through. I think it would be great. Listen, you know, as you and I have long discussed, it's all bipartisan to me as long as it you know relates to marijuana. If they can get it passed, it doesn't matter to me who sponsors it. It doesn't matter to me who votes for it as long as it gets passed and it makes our lives, you know, easier and, and benefits the industry. I think it's a wonderful thing. Yes. So we shall see um, what comes of it. Anything else we got for today's podcast? Let me ask you this question, Jim. And, and, and uh, we're starting to get a lot of questions asked of us here in Illinois, uh, especially thinking that the uh, uh, dispensary applications were about to be dropped. Uh, because what I found in every state where I've represented people in the licensing process is that once the, once the licenses are awarded, those who did not get a license, there is a measurable percentage of them who then want to go out and, and immediately start looking into the possibility of buying a license. 
And so I'm wondering, you know, given uh, the work that you do and uh, the relationship you have with your clients uh, during this pandemic, have you seen uh, an upswing in mergers uh, involving marijuana businesses? Has it been has it been quieting down? Is it kind of plateauing? Where, what, are, what are you seeing with regard to that? No, we're seeing a lot of merger and acquisition activity. Um, and I can use maybe Missouri, for example. Um, there were ve- very few lucky winners in Missouri, and we had lots of clients who had applied and been turned down. And I told them, hey, don't be discouraged. That was round one. You know, if you guys have your capital raised, some of these license winners don't have capital or they don't have enough capital to build a hundred thousand square foot cultivation. So yeah, once the licenses are awarded, then there's a whole second round of, uh, I would say, call it marrying up people with money, people with cultivation skills. Um, I, I, we have a dozen probably clients that have licenses, but no cultivation skills. So that that makes for a natural partnership. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Well, yeah, it, it's just, you know, look, it's an exciting time all around. We're we're very, very excited for the licenses to be awarded here because whoever they go to, either way, there's going to be uh, another flurry of activity, getting those people all registered and ready to go, dealing with possible sales or mergers, as you're discussing. Um, and then uh, before you know it, Illinois is scheduled to have another round of licenses next year. So the, the next year they're scheduled to have another 110 dispensary licenses and another 60 craft grow licenses. So we're we're far from done uh, with that process in this well, state. Well, yeah. To give you an example of what needs to happen, um, a very smart attorney in Massachusetts told me, and they're very similar to Illinois in that they have a a shortage of product, shortage of cultivation. One of Massachusetts' drivers is they're surrounded by states that don't have adult use, so they have a lot of cross-border traffic. New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, none of them have adult use. Um, and it's a very small geographic area. So um, you can expect, and he, this attorney was telling me, he goes, you know, Jim, I think we have about 4 million square feet of cultivation, either under glass or indoor cultivation in Massachusetts. He said, just to meet demand, just to even get close to meeting demand, we probably need 8 million square feet of cultivation in Massachusetts. So when you think 100,000 square foot of a a new cultivation license is a lot, it's not a lot when you compare it to 8 million square feet. True. You're absolutely right about that. And, and, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that, A, I love to hear because it just speaks to the success of the industry. But, B, you know, it's also a little bit frustrating. I get the states have to go in baby steps and, and, you know, do it at a rate that they feel comfortable doing it. Um, but you know, if you want to go buy marijuana and you go down to the adult, uh, use dispensary and there's still a line around the block that can also be a little intimidating sometimes. Yeah. Who has that kind of time? <clears throat> I've had that experience in Massachusetts where, um, we, we had to wait in line and be bused. You, know, you had to park so far away. They had a bus to take you to the dispensary. Then you had to wait in line. And then our price, the prices were much higher than Colorado. Um, yeah, their ACE were, you know, including tax out the door, $60, $65 for an eighth versus, you know, $20, $25 for an eighth in Denver. Yeah, no, that we, we're, we're on the high end here in Illinois with that for sure. And, and yeah, and I see that. So, well, you know, look, like anything else over time, you know, the market will stabilize and reach a little bit of an equilibrium and, you know, we'll all be the better for it. Yep. Well, let's hope that um, we'll be talking about some live music soon. 
um, talking to my friends around the country. Oh man, I had tickets for Jazz Fest. I had tickets for Dead and Company at Fenway Park. I was going to go to the Gorge with my sons. So we'll get back on track here. We will. And and one of the things that I've been doing, and I know that there's so many different opportunities right now to go online and everybody is streaming shows, Dead and Company and the Dead and Fish and all And it's great. It just doesn't always line up with my schedule. And what I find is it's not necessarily always the show I want to do. So what I do is I just go to my CD collection and I find a CD show that I have from whatever day it is. And so I listen to that. So this new box set will be rolling into June pretty soon. We'll have a whole bunch. But this time of year, April and May for me always is Europe 72. So I've been listening, you know, every night that there was Europe 72 show to Europe 72. And what's interesting is tonight is the show that they played at the Bickershaw Festival in England on May 7th, 1972. Um, And one of the uh, little trivia points of this show, and I think you and I have discussed this, Jim, is that one of the people standing in mud listening to the Grateful Dead play that day was none other than Elvis Costello. Yes, I've seen that picture where he uh, circles himself and draws an arrow. Yep. So I'm very excited to listen to this show tonight and, uh, uh, you know, and, and hear the music that, that all this listen to. Yeah. Well, not only do we want to get our music back, we want to get our sports back too. And I think people are really yep. ready. I, my prediction is when we come back, we're going to come back really fast. People are really going to want to get out to shows. They're going to want to get out to the ballparks. There's talk of having the NBA and NHL playoffs in July without fans. I've heard that. I've heard that. And uh, they're talking about, well, apparently according to one of my Hoban colleagues, who's so much of a baseball fan, he stayed up last night all night because they had the opening day baseball game in the Korean baseball league in front of a stadium with no fans. But he, I'm like, wow, that's hardcore. If you're going to watch Korean baseball at two o'clock in the morning in the stadium with no fans, you're a baseball fan. Well, very good. Like I said, we'll be back. We'll be back. Although, um, some of the venues in Denver where, um, our son Jack's band Kings of Prussia plays, um, there has been some rumblings that they may not reopen, that they've uh, just too too many challenges to reopen. But I told them, I said, they'll reopen. The building's still going to be there. Somebody else will take over the venue if your old boss doesn't want to do it. I was just going to say, if, if the current owners are, are ready to, to back out, there's always going to be the next guy who wants to step in and create the next hip music scene. So. You know, I, I'm not I'm not worried about that. There'll always be places for them to play. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, good talking to you. Uh, good podcast. I'll say uh, over and out from Longmont, Colorado. And Larry, go ahead and take us home. Will do, Jim. Uh, over and out from here in Chicago. A uh, a one day belated happy birthday to you again. Hope you had a great day and that you enjoy uh, your wonderful gift. And to all of our listeners, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, enjoy marijuana. Talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, 
Come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.